And, uh, you know, I'm very blessed in the fact that I've had a good, pretty good relationship with my parents pretty much most of my life. Not that it's been perfect, not that we haven't had our moments, but we've always had a relationship that we could talk. Um, you know, sometimes it was with volume, but we could always talk. And, uh, you know, but specifically with my mom, you know, typically, and not always, um, you know, a child may be more like mom or more like dad. And uh, I'm kind of uniquely pretty similar to both. I have traits of both. Um, I would say probably I lend a little more towards my mom. Uh, but uh, as I get older, the more and more I start acting like my dad a little bit. And, uh, you know, but I've thought quite a bit about really the influence of my mom and really what I felt like I wanted to communicate to you today. And, uh, and really, there are some lessons and some things that I've just learned, not so much by what she's told me, but more by watching her. And just the example that she lives and her life. And, uh, you know, my parents aren't perfect and they'd be the first to tell you that. Uh, and that was one of the best things they ever did for us as children was they wore their mistakes on their sleeve. To the point of where if they lost it or if they did something that they shouldn't have done, they would come and say, hey, I'm sorry. You know, and, and, and that taught me something. Number one, that it was okay to mess up. You know, and, and there would be times that, you know, that we would sit down and talk about things that, might make some people uncomfortable, but you know what? It was life and we would believe God together and we would pray together and we would find out what scripture said about things together and we would stand and believe God. I'll give you a little funny example, but when I was little, I only lived in two houses that my parents lived in two different houses, my entire growing up life. And in the first house that we lived in, there was no trees, no nothing. It was just bare. It's just a bare lot. And there's the house in the middle. And so I remembered, I don't know how old I was, probably about five, but we had planted this little bitty scrawny tree. And I mean, it was like Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Looked good compared to this thing. And, uh, and it, in, it was actually in Bozier. And, uh, but we had gotten a snowstorm. Which, I mean, it happened when I was five. And I didn't see another snowstorm in Shreveport, Bozier. I was in my 20s. So it's the one time in my childhood that I ever remember snow. But we had planted this tree that really looked bad. Out front, and I remember we all went outside as a family, and we all kind of circled up around the tree, and we prayed together that the tree would make it. You know, and now we moved from that house when I was six. So just a year, about a year later, we moved. And, uh, you know, and I can remember my parents, you know, I mean, I, I, I remember us. I remember the snow because it was a significant event in my life because it was the only time it had ever happened uh, as a kid. And, uh, you know, but... It's interesting because I have an aunt who lives not too far from there. How many times I would drive by that house and see that tree. And it was full grown and it was bloomed out. And and it always took me back to that moment where we as a family got together and prayed. You know, and it was kind of a unique thing because it was something physical that I could see that had grown. I mean, the thing we prayed over was like maybe this tall. Well, now it was like 20, 25 feet. It was a big, beautiful tree. And eventually somebody actually cut it down and I hated them for it. But... uh, No, I didn't hate them. I just resented them slightly in my heart. (laughs) I asked forgiveness later. No, but, you know, I was thinking about, you know, all these different things, uh, just about the things that I've learned from my mom. And today I want to share with you just a few things. And, uh, you know, here a while back, I don't know, this was before, this was quite a while back, I was listening to something on, um, on on a podcast. I was listening to something on my earbuds kind of deal. And it just so happened it was several different sermons, but it was several men who were talking about their fathers. And, uh, you know, and all these things that they greatly respect. And I kind of realized that I had never told my parents what I actually re- admired about them. Because it got me thinking, like, what would I say about my parents at their funeral? And then, you know, so I got to thinking about that kind of stuff, which is slightly morbid, I get it. But I started thinking about it, and I was like, why would... And then the thought just occurred to me, like, why wouldn't I just tell them now? Like, why would I wait and tell everybody who loves them how great they were and what I really admired about them most then? Like, why would I just tell them face to face? Like, they're here. I have the opportunity now to tell them. You know, and so it really kind of started to make me think. And so this is some of where this comes from, things that I really admire. Uh, And I have certain, and it's kind of interesting because there's certain traits about my dad that I really admire. And there's things about my mom that I really admire. And even though they're a couple and... Any healthy marriage, it's a mutual decision on most things. But there are still traits about them that I really admire. Uh, And so this morning, I want to share just a few things. 
about this. But one of the things that I want to just share before we get into the, I got four things. I'm going to just four specific things uh, that really challenge me, uh, even as a man, but as a believer. You know, the Bible tells us that, look, there's no such thing as male and female when we're in the family of God. So it's about righteousness and living a right life. And so if it works in a female's life, it'll work in a man's life. So men, you don't get to check out today. I'm like, oh, that's for the ladies to do. Well, tell Jesus that and see what he says. I'm just saying. But there is something that we can learn from looking at really uh, the makeup of a woman. Uh, and I'm not talking about physically, but even emotionally and the way that they give and the way that they care. How many of you know that women are much less or much more selfless than a man? How many of you realize that? I got a few honest men in the house. And a few ladies got a witness there. By nature, by nature, women are nurturers, right? By nature. And you know what? And there's something to that that even represents the goodness of our God. The goodness of our Father. Is that, that you know, mothers tend to be long-suffering. Where dads, not so much. I mean, hey, I know Dara is much more long-suffering than I am. <laughs> As she smirks at me. This is no joke. A few weeks ago, I was mowing my grass. And I was like, man, this boy needs to be grown. I got a yard that needs to be mowed. <laughs> How many of you know I got a few years before that's going to happen? <laughs> that's terrible. That's terrible, but it's true. But, you know, there are qualities that we can look at, even just with a mom, just the care and the nurture. I mean, you know, I can remember as a kid, I would, you know, I was always doing crazy stuff. So I'd jump my bike or do something crazy, run into something and, you know, who knows, bloody my lip, get some deal. I run to my dad and what does he say? Go to your mom. <laughs> like, my dad's like, is it, you know, is it broke? Is it bleeding? Nah, it's not bleeding that bad. You're good. Go see your mom. Like, you know, I mean, dads and men just aren't really super compassionate. In the way that a mom is. And there's just... But you know what? If we'll rightly see and understand, that gives us a picture of God. You know, and and there are qualities that are very unique. And it's not that men are scumbags. That's not what this is about. (laughs) Men, there are great things about you as well. So don't hear that. But there are things that, you know, you go and really you look through the Psalms. And you can read much of the Psalms. And and it has a very feminine tone to it. Even though it was written... (laughs) Mostly by men, we're pretty certain. And yet there's a, it speaks a lot about the loving kindness, about the goodness of God, about, you know, and and there's almost a, I don't know how else to say it, there's almost a sweetness to it. Even the way in which it's written, it just doesn't sound like a guy. You go read like Mark's gospel, that's like the action-packed gospel. Like cut out all the fluff, let's just get to the details, and that's why it's shorter than the rest. That's the man version of the gospel if you don't know that man. If you want to cut out all the fluff, just go read Mark. It's like, you know, I mean, the first thing that you read about in Mark is a miracle. So it's like, hey, we don't care about how he was born, where he came. We don't care about all that. Just let's get to the good stuff. So that's kind of the man version of the gospel. And yet in John, you get a very different tone. You get a much more affectionate, loving. I mean, even to the point where, you know, John, the writer of the book of John says, the disciple whom Jesus loved. The way he talked was different than the rest of the disciples, but he was also the closest. The Bible says he was the one, you know, there was always the three, Peter, James, and John, but John was always the closest to him. And there was an intimacy there, not in a strange way or a weird way, but it created a different type of relationship. And even whether your earthly mother was a good mother or not, there are still attributes about the feminine. You know, much of what's happening in our society is that they want to do away with masculine and feminine. We want to unisex everything. We just have one shirt. We just have one pair of pants. Like guys, girls, doesn't matter. Anybody can wear these. And yet there's a reason that God created male and female. There's a very clear certain purpose for that. And our society is trying to blur that line to the point where it's no longer distinguishable. And I don't want to get into a lot, but I mean, but there's an attack of the enemy at work. I'll, I'll leave it at that. That's happening. And yet the Bible celebrates the male and the female. The masculine and the feminine. Why? Because if you, can, if you can do away with the male and the female, you can blur the image of God. But when we stand and, and, and fight for those things, 
that, hey, this is what the Word of God, it represents Him. And that's the ultimate driving force behind all of it. But, you know, but even in the life of Jesus, you look. Now, some people, uh, you look at, at Jesus' mother, Mary. Some people worship her as deity. Well, she's not. <laughs> I hate to tell you that, but she's not. Was she a spiritual woman? There's no doubt about it. She had to be. Uh, you go and look even in the life of Jesus, and the influence that she had in Jesus' life was great. I mean, tremendous. To the point that at 12 years old, she says, hey, it's not your time. Come home. And he says, okay. And then at 30, she says, hey, they're running out of wine. We need you to do something. And he says, hey, it ain't my time. And she goes, hey, shut up. You do what I say. <laughs> and what does the Bible say? And there he worked the first miracle. And I, I mean, this tells me like this is such a mom thing about Mary. And it just tells you a little bit about her personality. When Jesus responds and says, hey, it's not my time. She just ignores him completely and looks at the guys with him and just says, hey, do whatever he tells you to do. And then in my mind, she just walked off. Why? Because she had told her son what to do and she fully expected him to do it. <laughs> and you know what? That initiated and in a sense kicked off the ministry of Jesus. So when Jesus thought he was ready, she said no. And when Jesus said, I'm not ready, she said yes. So we do need to give her respect. I mean, she was obviously a spiritual woman. I mean, she followed Jesus. I mean, there on the cross, Jesus didn't talk to anybody else except for two people. And I believe the two closest people, Mary and John. And he said, Mary, Mom, this is your son. John, this is your mother. Take, and really, what's he saying? Take care of my mom. Yeah. I mean, one of, in a sense, Jesus' dying wish was, John, take care of my mother. Now, he had siblings. He had, you know, but it was important enough that he wanted to make sure in that moment that she was going to be taken care of. And so there was obviously a relationship there, and I believe a unique one there. Um, you know, and so today I want to share just a few things uh, with you, uh, just concerning for you ladies, but also I believe men that you can learn it, but uh, take some things away as well. But one of the things that I want to start with before I get into these four, and it's just a quote that I've, it's just always challenged me. And so ladies, here's, here it is, which is that you teach what you know, but you will reproduce who you are. And that has always challenged me greatly. Even as a minister, somebody who teaches the word of God is that I can teach you principles, but ultimately my responsibility is to do what I'm supposed to do. Because I teach what I know, but I reproduce who I am. The greatest lessons that you will ever teach your children or people that you have influence with in your life is not what you say. The greatest influence is the example that you live and the, the life that you walk. Because here's the thing, and, and it's just something that I've seen and learned, uh, even in my own parents' life. The greatest lessons and the greatest takeaways that I've ever walked away with came from their hardest seasons. Because it showed me that there was something real. They didn't quit. They didn't waver. They, I mean, you know, my parents have been through lots of things. I mean, they lived a life just like anybody else. And I'm going to share a few things this morning, uh, you know, about some of it. Uh, but they were always honest with it. We were always believing God together about it. It wasn't just they're doing their thing and we're just kind of oblivious to it. And everyone's really like that. And so one of the first lessons that I've learned from my mother is to always be honest and transparent. And that's a key. And, you know, and the older I get, the harder that is. It's something I have to fight to maintain. You know, pride wants to creep up and be like, don't say that. Don't say you're sorry. But you know what? If I want to be honest and transparent, then I've got to own up to my faults. You know, I can remember even my, my dad, and I've talked about this growing up. He would come and tell, me I'm, and, and tell me that he had messed up and he was sorry. But you know what? Most of the time, he didn't do it because he wanted to. <laughs> he did it because my mom said, you go in there and apologize. And because he's a smart husband, he said, yes, dear. But you know, but, and, and so really, even in that, I give the credit to my mom. But what did that do? It made me as a man understand that it was okay to say, I'm sorry. It's okay to own up when I mess up. And so she's, you know, and so she's always honest. If you ask her how she's doing, she's going to be honest. She's going to tell you. I mean, to the, you know, and even 
I've always kind of joked is that don't ask my mom a question that you don't want an honest answer to. I mean, because she just shoots it straight. Let me just say this. My mother is not an overly affectionate person. So she's not just like a, you know, I don't mean that in a wrong way. It's not her personality. My dad's more that way. My mom's not really touchy-feely. My dad's, you know, more of the outgoing, the personality, the vocal one. Mom's just steady, you know. She's just there. And yet, she's been a rock to me and to my family for years and years and years. And it's not just because that she was a strong lady in the natural. It's because she was a spiritual lady. And she understood principles from the Word of God that have produced in our life. Not just in her life, but in my life, in my sister's life, in our family. You know, and it's been amazing to watch. And so... You know, I can remember the other thing that I would say about being honest and transparent because I was a curious kid. I'm still not a kid anymore, but I'm still curious. I have this something that makes me just ask questions. Like, how does this work? Why does this work? And so, and you know, my mom's joke many times that every t- especially when I was younger, like five, six, you know, I'd come in and be like, you know, I think I was four at the time. And I came in, I'm like, Mom, where do babies come from? Well, she knows my curiosity. And to say they came from God ain't going to work. Because I'm going to say, well, where's that? How did that happen? Why? And so she was like, Man, I never knew what you were going to ask. And so you, and I would always walk in and be like, Mom, I got a question. And she'd always say, I'd kind of brace myself because I never knew what was coming. And, uh, you know, but one of the things, and it goes back to this, is that she never, ever not gave me an answer. She never skirted a question. She always gave me an answer. Now, it was the right answer. It wasn't too much information. But there was nothing off limits. And when I became a teenager, that didn't stop. We kept talking. I'd keep her up all hours of the night talking about stuff. Asking her about this. Asking her about that. Why does this happen? Why does that happen? And sometimes she would say, you know what, David? I don't know. But I have to trust God because I trust his word. And so there was nothing off limits. Even when I knew, because she was a good church of God lady growing up. Even when I knew I asked questions that she just wanted to run out the room because she was embarrassed. Because when I say there was nothing off limits, I mean, there was nothing off limits. I'd ask her anything. I had no shame. I didn't have that little thing that said, don't ask that. Like, I just, it wasn't there. Like, I don't know what to, it just wasn't there. And so, now my dad would be like, oh, son, go ask your mom, you know. Because you know? he'd get all embarrassed and, you know, he'd just like, oh, gosh. He couldn't do it, but mama just, you know, but she was always, and sometimes she would tell me stories about things that had happened with her and things where she had messed up or, or things, you know, and so I really got to learn from her mistakes. And she was willing to talk to me about, you know, different things that had happened. And so it taught me that it's okay to be open and honest. It's okay to just be real with people that I don't have to put on a front. I don't have to be somebody that I'm not. I don't have to act one way at church and then when I leave, act totally different. Now, there were moments where we're yelling and screaming in the car and we get to church and everybody's, you know, let's walk in, smile, let's go inside, take our family photo because it's Easter, dang it, and we all look nice. At least we thought we did. And then nobody talks on the way home. So we had those moments. So it was not, you know, perfection. By any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I would hear my parents argue. No, not a lot. And then I I would sit there and wonder, like, okay, is this it? Is this the end? Are they splitting up? So, I say that just to say, we were a real family. How many of you know there's only one type of family and it's real, which means there's issues because there's people. It's like a church. There's no such thing as a perfect church. Why? Because you got people involved. The moment one person steps in, it, it ain't perfect no more. Then you add two and it just starts multiplying. You got issues. Well, the same is true in a family. There are things that happen. And yet when we're willing to be open and honest, what do we really do? When we're willing to be open, it opens the door for God to come in and help. It allows for forgiveness to come in relationships instead of driving a wedge of division between you and your children or your spouse or whoever it may be. It allows harmony to stay in the home. And as a kid, growing up in harmony was wonderful. Now, it wasn't harmony all the time. And there were seasons, and sometimes the seasons were long, like years. 
I don't mean a season like a couple months. I mean, sometimes it was long. Me and my dad didn't talk for a year and a half. We lived in the same house and did not talk because we couldn't. We had a difference of opinion on something, so we just didn't talk. We'd sit there and eat lunch in absolute silence. I just talked to my mom a lot during that time. Like, mom, you got to talk to dad. He's being dumb. You know. You know what she'd tell me? You need to honor your dad. You need to watch what you're saying. That's your father. You need to honor him. Mom, I don't like him, though. I like you. I, want, I can honor you. I, I, can't I just do like a, you know, a one for two kind of thing if I just do it for you? And she's like, no. And she was always willing to, and, and one of the things that goes back to just this honor, she was always pointing me back to Scripture. Mom, what do you think about this? What does the Bible say? I don't care what the Bible says. I want to know what you have to say. I'm asking you. I'm not asking him. And she always pointed me back to Scripture. Well, what did that teach me? The Word of God was my answer. Always. The word of God was my answer. And so she taught me that. And so in Proverbs chapter 6, I want to read a verse. It's concerning this. You know, uh, other places it says that as parents, we're to train up a child and so that when they're old, they will not depart from it, right? We're pretty familiar with that verse. Well, this here is Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20. And it says, my son, keep your father's command and don't reject your mother's teaching. Always bind them to your heart and tie them around your neck. It says, when you walk here and there, they will guide you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. When you wake up, they will talk to you. Now, this is referring to wisdom of a parent. And I believe of a godly parent. And so whether... Whatever stage in life you may be, whether you're the one giving the wisdom or the one receiving the wisdom, it says here and gives us instructions that, hey, they will uh, watch over you. The wisdom of God will watch over you. And so even when God brings people into your life, because he will, because he never designed us to do life alone, whether it be a mother, whether it be uh, somebody else that God has placed in our life, we have to have a heart that's willing to listen. Willing to receive. And so that goes back to being transparent. That when people call you out on your junk, you got to do something with it. you got to be willing to move forward. And so even as mothers and, and of ladies of influence, I would encourage you to understand the value and the weight of what you say. Because words are powerful. There's no doubt about that. And this applies male, female, but I'm talking primarily to the ladies this morning. Never undervalue your value. Never underestimate what God has placed in you and what you have in you and, and what the wisdom that you have stored in you. Because what good is wisdom if it's never shared? And I believe that, you know, the Bible's very clear. It even says, you who are mature in the faith should take those who are younger in the faith and teach them the ways of the Lord. So we have a responsibility... To pass on the wisdom that we have gained. And so likewise, if you're younger, you have a responsibility to be teachable. And to receive, the Bible says, the word of God. And that goes back to being honest with where you're at and being transparent. And not just hiding behind a mask. And it's something that I've seen pay off in my own life. I've seen it pay off in my parents' life. I've seen it pay off in my mother's life. And it's something that I've been able to walk because I've seen it walked out. And so it's definitely something that I have learned from her. The second thing, which this would probably be one of the words that would define my mother to most people that know her. It's really two words, but they're very tightly, pretty closely related, is that she's loyal and faithful. My mom is one of the most faithful people I know. I mean... you know, I'm a pretty loyal person and I get it from her. I come by it honest. Like I, I would almost say violently loyal. You know, don't talk trash about somebody that I love because we're going to have an issue. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and she's that way. I mean, she is just a super, super faithful woman. If she says she's going to do it, you don't need to call her. She's going to do it. She says she's going to be there. What time does she say? She's going to be there. On time and probably a couple minutes early. She's loyal, loyal, loyal. If she's your friend, she's your friend for life. You need somebody to crawl in the bunker with you, she's there. You need somebody to pray with you, she's going to really pray for you. 
She's not one of those people you call and say, oh, just pray for me. She says, okay. <laughs> a week later, she's going to call you back and be like, hey, I've been praying. Anything happening? <laughs> What's going on? Do I need to adjust my prayers? She's loyal. You ask her to do something, she's going to do it. I mean, she's been a default mother to many people. I call it default. They call her Mama Sue. That's my mom's name, Sue. It's not a real name, but that's what she goes by. Don't tell her I told you that, though. I might get in trouble. No, I mean, you know, as an example, I mean, obviously, Dara's my wife, but Dara's mom passed away when she was 17 years old. Well, Dara has a younger brother and a younger sister. Well, she became like mom to them because Dara came to our house. And, well, when you live a little bit away and you've got a younger brother and sister, guess who else is coming? <laughs> I think we dated for two years before we went on a date by ourselves. It's like, man, I didn't sign up for kids yet, you know. No, but I mean, to this day, they go and they, I mean, they treat my mom like their mom. Why? Because they lost theirs and she stepped in. And, and there's been other ladies and she's not the only one. I mean, let me take it even a step further for those of you that may not have your mother anymore. The Bible says, I will not leave. God says, I will not leave you like an orphan. So I believe that God will send people back into your life to fill the gap that that has created because you've lost a a parent. I do believe that. You know, and and so, but because of that, she, and, and I've watched my mom do this, is that she is just super faithful. She just is. You know, and, and my parents have been blessed. There's no doubt about it in life. You know, my mom hasn't worked a job since my oldest sister was born. My dad's a, uh, a salesman. You know, and my mom would serve our church like crazy. I mean, just doing anything and everything. Things she was qualified for, things she wasn't qualified for, it didn't matter. She directed the TV show. She didn't know anything about it. But she just was available. What do you need? How can I serve? And to this day, my dad still says, the Lord has not blessed me because of me. Because first off, he, he says this. He's like, I'm not that smart. You know, I'm just a simple guy. Which You mean my dad? He's just, you know, pretty simple. Both my parents, what you see is what you get. They're not complicated people. If it's complicated, they're not interested. Let's just keep life simple. You know, and, and he says, what God has done for me has nothing to do with me. He said, I believe it's a reward for your mother. Because of her faithfulness to serve the church. Because he, I can remember... And it, even as being younger, because my mom plays piano, she's always, my entire life, when I got in trouble in church, my mom would be sitting up here, and she'd just give me the look and the finger and just did this, which meant come up here and sit with me. Now, I was always innocent. I still hold to that. I was never doing anything wrong in church, but she apparently thought I was. And so that was kind of my punch. She'd be up there playing and just do that. Just keep going. Never miss a beat. Never miss a beat. Embarrass the mess out of me. And uh, so I get up and and do what mom says. And, uh, you know, but she was just always, always served. But she played in our music department. And I can remember my dad getting mad because she had to go to practice. But mom wasn't going to miss. I mean, we're going to have World War III before she ain't going to be at practice. And my dad was going to lose. You know, there's no doubt about it. Because why? She was faithful. She committed. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. You know, and she'd be like, Jerry, I've had these kids all day. You can keep them for two hours. <laughs> you know, but then I can remember them getting arguments about it. But she had given her word that she was going to be there. That word, um, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you two examples quickly. Uh, the first one's in Ruth. Uh, there's a story, a, and it's really a fascinating story if you go and read it. And it's really about Naomi and, and Ruth. Naomi was really her mother-in-law. And so... Ruth's husband dies. And so really by letter of the law, Ruth could go home. She was released from the obligation. But she stayed tied to her mother-in-law and says, I will be with you. Your people are my people. Your God, my God. I will not leave you. Well, what happened? It brought about blessing in her life. She got remarried to a wealthy man. And really it's because Naomi said, hey, you need to go pick up some grain over here. Like fix your hair, girl, and go over and pick up some grain. (laughs) Well, what was that about? There was loyalty to her mother-in-law, which legally speaking, 
She didn't have to do it all. She was, she was released from the bonds or the agreement of her marriage. And the Lord blessed her because that story is actually over in Ruth chapter 1. But in Matthew chapter 25, I've been thinking about this here lately. Just this thought. And this is the passage of uh, the talents. And it's in Matthew chapter 25, verse 23. I'm going to read it here. I guess I should probably get in the right translation for them in the back. Because you all probably wondering, like, what? what's he reading out of? I'm reading out of a different Bible than the one that's up there. No, the, so at the end, in verse 23, the master says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. So let's celebrate together. That word faithful means one who has kept the faith, one who is tr- worthy of trust, one that can be relied on. And in the New Testament specifically, it means one who trusts in God's promises. At the end of our life, God's not going to ask you how much you gave. God's not going to ask you what you did. The question that's going to matter and the only one that's going to matter is were you faithful? That's it. Were you faithful? With what? What God put in your hands. What God brought into your life. Were you faithful? Were you responsible with what God had given you? Even your gifts and your talents, your children, your family, all the things that God has brought about in your life, were you faithful? And I learned that from my mother that, that, and it's almost, and it can be negative, I am loyal to a fault. I don't give up on friendship. I don't care if I hadn't talked to a friend in five years. If they're my friend and they call me in the middle of the night, I will answer that call and I would do anything in my power to help them. And I think that that's good. That's love. It's not when you, man, you ain't never turned my calls. You ain't done this. You ain't done that. No, you're my friend. I'm committed. The next thing, and this is one that really epitomizes my mom. And it's one that I, uh, I really admire about her. But my mom is a fighter. And I don't mean that like throwing up fists and punching. But she has no quit in her quit is not in her vocabulary and it doesn't matter what we're talking about now sometimes that's bad because you know i mean mom's in there cooking and she's making food for 15 20 people and she tries to move a big old pot of mashed potatoes weighs 40 pounds and i'm like mom don't pick that up and she's like leave me alone you know i'm like mom seriously give me the pot i'm not joking like you go in there and try to help her cook she don't want help so sometimes it can be bad not that it's bad but it can you know, but this is what I mean. My mother has always been strong in spirit. Even when she's faced physical challenges, which she's had many. Uh, as a child, my mom had polio. And so if you've ever seen like, you know, the shackles on the legs and all that, she had that. And, uh, and so, you know, she had polio as a child. You know, this was, you know, 60 something years ago at this point. Uh, 60 anyways. Uh, but anyhow, they told her that she would never walk right. Well, that's all she needed to hear. Just tell me I can't. Tell me I can't. And there's some of that in me, that, that fight that just says, man, I'm going to press. Well, you know, in high school, in junior high, she was running track. She was winning meets. Oh, you'll never walk. All right. We'll see. <laughs> I'm going to go run track just to prove you wrong. You know, one of the things that drove her really, and even to this day, you can tell she gets kind of fired up about it. Her mom would always make excuses and say, oh, Sue can't do that. Drove her crazy. And it motivated her. No, I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to. Mom gets married. And because of polio, they said, hey, you'll never have, you'll never have children. Never. It's not possible. It's just not going to happen. She just believed God. She never said anything about it. Never talked. Just, we're going to have babies. I want to have children. It's a desire of my heart. I'm going to have a child. Well, she had three of us. Perfectly healthy, all of us. No complications. How? She stood on the word of God like she always did. I mean, she had one leg that was shorter than the other. God supernaturally healed her. Nobody prayed for her, nobody, nothing. Just sitting in a church service. If the doors were open, my mom was going to church. And she was going to drag us with her. It didn't matter. Why? Because she believed the word of God. She believed that God would work. You know, even over the last few years, I, I've really got to be a part of it. But she's had some pretty, and it stems back to polio. She's had some issues with 
bones and different things. And she's had to have some surgeries and it's been trying. She had a little salivary gland taken out. Like, oh, you'll never notice it. Oh, she noticed it. Big time. It made a huge difference. I mean, you know, you don't think much about how much moisture is in your mouth until you stop producing it. <laughs> you know, I mean, and she's had to walk through that. She's been believing God. That led to a neck surgery. And, you know, the recovery from that took a long time. And it was difficult. And even though her... And here's one of the most amazing things. And I talked about this a minute ago. She, that I know of, never missed a church service. Now, my counsel to son is, Mom, stay home and rest. (laughs) Like, do me a favor. Just stay home. She's going to be up there worshiping. I mean, she's not one of those that just kind of casually goes to church. Oh, no, she's there taking notes. She's going to be worshiping. She, she's engaged. And even when her physical body was just, I mean, again, she's got a fight in her. <laughs> it doesn't do any good to say, Mom, don't do that. Don't tell me that. I've been too far. I've walked through too many things. I've seen God work too many times to say it ain't going to happen this time. And she's fought and she's fought. And you know what? As a son, I admire that about her. Because there's just no quit. There's no like, man, the word of God will not work. No, there's no option. The word of God will work because it's worked too many times for it to stop now. God's word will work. You know, I mentioned this a few minutes ago, but she's been the backbone for a lot of people. One thing about my mom, she will pray like there is no tomorrow. And I've seen prayer after prayer after. If you need something happen, oh, you just call Sue. She's going to pray it through. <laughs> like, it's just going to happen. Man, she, I mean, I was convinced my mom was the Holy Spirit for much of my growing up life. I'm just saying. Either she was the Holy Spirit or there was a fourth member of the Godhead. And I'm not, still not quite positive on that. Because she had wisdom, man. I would ask her about stuff or, you know, she'd just say something. I'm like, how do you know about that? My friends. She'd freak my friends out. I was praying and the Lord said this and they're like, I'm like, mom, quit freaking my friends out, you know. She's had a word in the, at the right moment. And that's happened. I can't tell you how many times people come to me, just random people. Man, your mom came up and just gave me a verse and talked to me about it for like two seconds. Holy cow. Why? Because she believes the word of God and she's been able to be. And it's that spirit of fight in her. It's just that you can get through this. Doesn't matter what you're facing. Doesn't matter what the diagnosis. Doesn't matter. You will walk through this. And there's just no quit. It's just this drive in her. So you have three choices in life. Somebody, one of my friends retweeted this the other day and I thought it was so good. I don't know who originally tweeted it, but it says you have three choices when bad things happen in life. You can let it destroy you, you can let it define you, or you can let it develop you. So which one do you want? When things happen and, and you don't like, the, you know, it may not be ideal or what you desire, you can either let it destroy you, you can let it define you, or you can let it develop you. And I think that pretty well sums up this for my mom. She's always just said, this will not define me. I will not be somebody who suffers from polio. I'm overcomer. I'm going to fight. I will not. I refuse to accept that that's who I am. It will not destroy me and I will not let it identify me. But I will let it develop me. And I'm going to come out on the other side stronger than when I walked in. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. We'll read this out of the Amplified Bible. Right here after this verse, it talks about the whole armor of God. But in verse 10, it says, Be strong in the Lord and be empowered through your union with Him. Draw your strength from Him. And it says that strength which uh, is His, which His boundless might will provide. Out of the HCSB, again it says, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by His vast strength. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You can be strengthened by the power and the ability of God right now. 
Does that mean that you might not have to stand and believe? No, you probably will. Sometimes things happen instantaneously. Sometimes they don't. What's the difference? I can't tell you. But this I do know, that if we will stand, we will be strengthened. God will come and strengthen those who are weak. And that could be weak in body, weak in spirit, weak in soul. God will strengthen you. Be strengthened by the Lord through His vast strength. The word strengthen, it really means to empower or to enable. It also means to cause an increase in strength. There when it says, and I thought this was really interesting, where it talks about um, to be strengthened by the Lord and by His vast strength. Where That word vast there actually means to bring great vigor or dominion or might. So God says, look, I have power, but it's not just power, it's authority. And I'll give it to you. I'll give you the ability and the authority to stand. The last thing, the last characteristic of my mom, and I think this is probably one that I will always, 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 probably more than anything, I'll never forget uh, you know, it shaped me as a person because I've watched her. She's a worshiper. And I don't mean like, a, a, like I'll say it this way. I am fully convinced that my mom loves Jesus more than she loves me. And I mean that with all sincerity. There's not a doubt in my mind because I watch her worship. And you know what? Here's the thing. It doesn't make me insecure about my mom and that she loves me. But I'm convinced, man. She truly. Well, how do I know that? Because you know how I said earlier that my mom's not a real outward person? This is not a joke. I've had people, and and my sisters as well, that they're around our house. They hang out with our family. And then for whatever reason, they come to church. And they're like, who is that lady on stage? Because that's not the Sue I know. Because there's an abandonment with her worship. She's on stage dancing and singing and while sick, while facing challenges. In the midst of her struggle, she's worshiping like there's no tomorrow. When I'm like, how are you standing? (laughs) She's up there worshiping. She's a worshiper. I mean, and I can't even put it into words. But she loves God with all of her heart. More than anything else. She has an audience of one. She doesn't care what anybody thinks. She doesn't care what anybody's got to say. I wasn't doing it for you anyways. What I care. I was worshiping God. What's interesting about that is that she learned to play the piano and really learned to worship from one of my grandmothers. One of her, or one of my great grandmothers, her grandmother. And she learned to play piano from her and they said she was the exact same way. Real quiet. And real, but when it came time to worship, get out the way. <laughs> now, you know, in Matthew chapter 22, I'll just uh, quote it real quick. Uh, but it gives us an instruction. And it says that the greatest, they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He says, oh, that's easy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your mind. Other translations say with all of your energies, with all of your intellect. Love the Lord your God. And it's not an emotional thing. Sometimes it's a, you know, sometimes you've got to make a decision to worship because you just don't feel like it. When everything in you just says, I don't, don't worship today. It, it ain't a big deal. No, there's, And that kind of goes back to having that fight. (laughs) No, I'm going to worship. Why? Because he's the answer. He's the only answer I need. In Joshua 22 verse 5 it says, Carefully obey the command and the instruction that Moses the uh, the Lord's servant gave you. Here is the instruction to love the Lord your God. Walk in all of his ways, keep his commandments, remain faithful to him, and serve him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. John 4, we won't turn there for a second. Verse uh, 23 and 24, though, it says that God is seeking those who would worship him. If you want, let me say it this way parents, mothers, if you want your, your children and those people that you have influence over to love God, you need to love God. To the point where they might even question, does she love God more than me? 
There's nothing wrong with that. There's really not. My mom has been a great mom, a good mom. I love her dearly. But there are things that I've learned just, and I said this earlier, is that she's taught me a lot of things. But I am who I am because of who she is. I mean, we've had lots of long conversations about all kinds of stuff. But because of her influence and my dad's influence, they've made me into who I am today. God brought a lot of people. There's been lots of people that have had influence in my life. But I'm thankful for not perfect parents, but for godly parents. That were willing to love and to, uh, to help shape. That had a confidence that if we'll put the word in them, eventually it's going to come out. And it's been amazing that how many times I've seen just things will come up. And I know, oh, this goes back to that moment when they told me this. See, and you have that opportunity. And so this morning, for all of you ladies, I just want to talk to you for a second as mothers. I've been talking about my mom. Now I want to talk to you just for a second. There's a few things I wanted to, to share with you. Isaiah 66, this was actually in the video that we showed you earlier. But Isaiah 66, verse 13. This is a promise for you as a mother. It says, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. You know, I think men are able to detach from certain things in life. It's just, and that can be good and that can be bad. But ladies, there's something in you that I don't know that you can. But here's what you got to know is that God will comfort you. God will be there for you in that moment. That in your moment of need, God will comfort you. And here's the thing about that. As much as you love your children, as much as you want to comfort them, as much as you want to take care of them, the love that you have for your children, the love that you may have for your grandchildren, it doesn't even compare to the love that God has for you. And sometimes I think moms get so caught up in giving love, they forget to receive love. And ultimately, it's got to start with the Father. It's got to come from God. And so it's a promise from the word of God that he says that just as you want to care for your children, I will care and I will comfort you. So that when you fall or when you, you know, uh, I used the example earlier about falling, you scrape your knee. Well, when you fall and it hurts, God says, hey, I'm there. I'll be there with you. You're not alone. The Bible says that he'll fight for you. And, you know, and sometimes that's hard to receive love because you give and 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 you give. And sometimes you just got to stop and just say, Father, man, I need you right now. Because here's the thing. And I said this earlier is God is not male. God is both male and female. He is the full embodiment of perfection. And so, I mean, and I say this uh, Partly because, and I believe that this is, I believe this is for somebody, but you may have lost your natural mother just through age. And you long for that moment. You know, it's funny, just talking to my mom, she didn't have to say anything, but just knowing that she's listening helps. Well, I'm telling you that God can fill the void that even your natural mother, because of her passing, may have left. And God says, hey, I'll comfort you. No doubt about it, I will comfort you. Proverbs 31.30 says that charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. It's not about the outward. That word fear is not an afraid thing, it's a reverence. See, I don't know of a greater example that I know of that I've ever seen of love than that of a mom. Because, you know, dads can kind of detach most of the time, even from their own kids. And I see it and it baffles me. I don't understand it. And I see where men can, you know, father many kids and they never in their life. It's a very, and it happens, but it's rare that you see a mom that's able to do that. It's very rare. I mean, I have seen it, but it's rare. I mean, that's why we have so many more single moms than single dads. Because a mom cares and loves for her children. 
And yet the Bible tells us that and shows us, and we were reading it earlier, is that what can separate us from the love of God? Absolutely nothing. So you may be here this morning, even as a lady, and you're saying, man, yeah, that's me. We'll give you the opportunity here at the end of service. We're not quite done just yet, but we'll have people available to pray with you. Because God is ready to work in your life. Doesn't have to wait. God will move for you because he loves you. So ladies, here's my final instruction for the day. My final encouragement, if you will. And I read this verse earlier, but it's out of uh, Ephesians 6.10 there. But, you know, women have an amazing strength in them. We don't really think of it. We, you know, really normally, at least for me, when I think of the character trait of strong, I think of men. And that is true. And, and that is a trait of men. We, not just physically, but there's a strength that God has put into men. But there's a different type of strength. It's not a less than, it's a different kind of strength that goes into a woman. And that women, you can be strong. And that doesn't mean domineering. It doesn't mean manipulative. That's the devil's twist on what God intended. But God will put a strength into you. The Bible says that you can be strengthened with might from your inner man on the inside of you. Because many times women carry the load because they take it on. But that's not the instructions that Jesus gave. He says, hey, come to me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, and here's the key. When you do it, you will find rest for your soul. I see a lot of of weary women. Partly because a lot of times, men aren't doing our part. Not always, but I mean, my sister was a single mom for years. And I watched her try to balance the, be both. That's hard. Regardless of, of where you're at or what you're facing, come to come to the Lord and He'll give you the Bible says His burden, which is easy and light. It's not ill fitting, it's not cumbersome. No, it's something that you were built to handle. And that applies to us as men as well. I mean, that's not a, a woman thing, but today I, I really felt strong in my heart that I wanted to speak to the ladies this morning.